Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church Again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. Good morning. Turn in your Bibles to Second Chronicles, chapter 34. Put your finger there. We are talking about uh, continuing our series called Hall of Fame, leaving a legacy. What kind of legacy are you going to leave? And so we've been going through kind of a who's who character cast of the Old Testament, and we're continuing that today with a guy named Josiah. He was the last good king that Israel ever had. He may have been the last good ruler the Middle East has seen in a couple thousand years. Uh, So... This is a, a guy we need to study. He's very Im- impactful and important into uh, the kingdom of, uh, of Judah. Uh, Israel and Judah has split at this time, and we're going we're gonna to talk about his life. He is a very unique guy. Um, he comes to power at eight years old, and so his dad is, is murdered. Uh, his dad was not a nice guy, um, not a... Not a, not a we don't really remember his dad very well, except he got killed. Uh, so uh, Josiah, Josiah becomes king at eight, and there's this period of kind of training him uh, to be king, and, and that's where we, we find him. But Josiah is, is in this unique opportunity that we find in history. Josiah walks onto the stage, not only in an interesting time in his own life at eight years old, but he walks onto the stage at a time in which the world's superpowers are in flux. And so there's this moment. Uh, last week we talked about Nehemiah, if you were here. Nehemiah, I, I should have flipped these in order, but it was for the children last week, so there's that. Um, Nehemiah happens 70 years after Josiah. Okay, so timetable this way. Nehemiah is after the captivity uh, that Josiah is kind of, he's going to be the last king and then right after him, uh, they're going to get conquered and get sold into slavery and all kinds of bad stuff's going to happen. And so the book ends in your head, if you're thinking chronologically, they're kind of uh, flipped that way, but that might help you a little bit. But we find ourselves in this, this moment of very interesting uh, time. We have, a, we have a map that we're going to show you. I think I have a laser pointer today. Oh, I'm feeling very teachery today, right? Um, so uh, we're going to find out which one of you guys identify with cats. Uh, so... Uh, here we go. So what we have always here in when we deal with Israel, we deal with the ancient uh, Israel, we have to uh, understand there's superpowers around them at all times. Israel is never the superpower. Under King David and under King uh, Solomon, almost forgot his name, uh, you have the closest thing they ever have to a, a, a strong kingdom. Uh, but because of where Israel is situated you always have some issues. Because for basically the entire history of mankind, uh, this area right here is Egypt. And that is always, almost always, almost always, for thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years, is a superpower. And so you can always imagine that, the, and they're, but they're surrounded by desert on, on this side. This is, you're not going to walk that way. So if they want to expand their kingdom in any way, shape, or form, they have to go down the Nile or come this way. So if you're faced with a superpower that wants to expand and you're next door to them, guess what, folks? You've got a problem. You'll always have a problem, right? 
uh, still have that problem today. You know, Israel's always got def- defense uh, ready to protect themselves against Egypt. It's just the way this has been going on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Okay. You also have, you guys are like, we're going to church, not history class. Come on, Jared. Uh, this is very important. Okay. Uh, so if you're ever in a men's Bible study with me, this map will be your friend. Okay. Uh, we, we do talk about this stuff all the time. I always talk. Do I break? Okay, there we go. I just can't aim. Um, this red line here symbolizes a trade route. It's a road. And so I always talk about basically Highway 80 goes through Israel. And so if you want to get uh, the other superpower of the day is over here in Babylon. So if Egypt wants to go to war with Babylon or they want to trade with Babylon, usually a better option, they got to take their stuff and go through Israel. Now, in times when Israel is strong, King David and King Solomon, they get to tax the holy baloney out of the, the stuff that's going back and forth. That's where the funds come from. That's where the money comes from to build the temple, to do uh, interesting things. At the height of their power, they're strong enough to put up toll booths, right? Highway 80 again, um, government-mandated traffic problems. Uh, anyway, uh, They're strong enough to put toll booths here and here. So any funds that come down or come up, they get to tax. Does this make sense? Now, when I say Highway 80 and I say toll booths, you automatically get uh, infuriated. Right? You're already... You're already... No, just me? My blood pressure goes up? Not yours? Okay, fine. Um, Be that way. Uh, But... Your blood pressure already goes up, and so you don't like playing, paying tolls. There's also a third superpower up here. The Assyrian em- Empire is up here. And so you've got this crossroads of three different superpowers. If they want to fight each other, this is a great place to fight each other because they, they all want to control the toll booth that is Israel. Does this make sense? Are you with me? Okay. So you understand there's always a tension. It's not a recent, since 1940s, there's been tension in the Middle East. There has always been tension there because of where the land sits, because of where the road is, because of where the desert is, because of uh, how ease of travel. So there is always, always, always a target on this spot. See this little city called Megiddo? The road runs right through it. In your Bibles, in Revelation, when they say the Battle of Armageddon, that means the Battle of Megiddo. There's battles fought there for centuries and centuries and centuries. This is where armies meet. You march your army over from Babylon. You march your army up from Egypt. You don't care about the little Israel army that's like, hey, don't come here. And they go away. Uh, And then they they clash here at Megiddo. And whoever wins that battle gets to have controlling interest of the toll road. That goes on over and 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 over. And over and over and over and over and over and over again. Okay, if you read First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, First Kings, Second Chronicles, that's what's happening all the time. And so when you have that, you have the gods of Assyria, the gods of Egypt, and the gods of Babylon start to um, infiltrate into the religious life of Israel because Israelites are tired of getting killed by these people, right? And so they're like, you know what? If we marry somebody in Babylon, we marry somebody in Egypt, we marry somebody in uh, Assyria, maybe they won't kill us. And so that's what Solomon's doing when he has a thousand wives. It's not that he you know, kept on winning bachelor. It was that he uh, was trying to submit little alliances. And, and ha- well, if their, kid, if their grandchildren is here, it's hard for me to go attack my grandkid. Right? So if they're, 
he's trying to cement the legacy of Israel by saying, hey, don't, don't attack us. We're just going to be here and be your friendly little neighborhood toll booth. Okay, that's what he was trying to do in that. The problem with that is that the gods, the, those, the women that came uh, there, brought their household gods with them. And those primarily are, Ashra, are three different gods. Asherah poles, or Asherah, uh, Baals. I had somebody text me, why? I've always pronounced Baal, Baal. That is the American version of Baal. Okay, you, if you want to pronounce Baal right, you have a hiccup in the middle of it. Okay, Baal. Okay, that's, that's how that works. Um, took me there. I had to spend a lot of money at college to figure that out. You guys get it for free. <laughs> so, um, Baal uh, things. And uh, the third is Molech. Now, Molech is the worst of the three. All three are not very good, but uh, Molech is the worst. Molech, how you worship Molech is you sacrifice babies to him. So you've got, you've infiltrated, and God, Yahweh, is the opposite of infanticide, right? He's always going for life. And so you sacrifice babies to Molech, and so you have this tension of how this works, right? You have this tension in religion, in religion you have this tension in how you are worshiping God. Baal, not much better. Astra is all fertility uh, rites, um, so it's a bunch of different... Uh, Pagan prostitute type stuff going on. Don't need to go too far into that. You guys got to figure that out. Um, and so you've got all these bad things infiltrating the religion and the way in which people practice um, worshiping of God in Israel. And so it starts to mess with how people are worshiping God. Solomon is the first one to bring one of these temples in. He does it for one of these women. <coughs> Girls. Uh, he does it for one of these women. And so for 400 years, the earliest one is there for, uh, that an Israel king brings in. He builds a temple that's 400 years old at this time. So it's not just, this didn't happen under you know, Josiah's dad, who was a bad king. It's been happening for years and 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 years. Is this, you follow me? It's not a new thing. And so Josiah comes up. And what he does, he says, we're not doing this anymore. Because he's got a tutor, and the prophet Jeremiah is out there teaching him. And as eight years old, we can finally get to a kid and be like, hey, don't do this stupid stuff. And so King uh, Josiah gets formed by some good tutors. And he says, we're not doing this astropole, this Baal, this Molex stuff anymore. It's gone. We're ripping it out. Now, if you've been practicing a religion for 400 years, how's that going to go over? Right? Like, case in point, Israel today. Like, people take this personally, right? You can't just rip religion out of people that they've been practicing for years and years and years and years and years and years. There is a big problem with that. There is a, a revolt of even your spirit in this moment. Even if he's right, right? You, you don't have these, st- these religion-sanctioned orgies going on. You don't have these sacrificing of babies going on. Like, I'm pretty sure those aren't good things. And so that's what Josiah is going after. We're removing all this stuff. And so uh, in 2 Chronicles 34, 31 to 33, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. I would encourage you to read it this week, uh, what happens with Josiah. But the king stood by a pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, his statutes, his decrees with all of his heart and all of his soul and to obey the words of the covenant written in this book. Now, what does that sound like? Does that sound like Deuteronomy? Does that sound like the Shema? I'm coveting 
to love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, and with all my mind. The tenement of what it means to be a Jew. I'm going to love him with everything I have. And so they've gotten so far away from who God is that the king has to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to live by the Shema. Okay, can you imagine that? Like, they've forgotten a root of who they are. That would be like if all Christians in the, <laughs> everywhere forgot John 3.16. Like, I'm going to... God so loved the world, he gave a buffalo. I, I can't remember what happened. Like it would, this is rudimentary. This is imprinted on our hearts. And so the king has to say, oh, I'm going to recommit myself back to the very bare bones basis of who we are as Jewish people. It's a big deal. All right. then, he, then he had everyone in Jerusalem and Benjamin pledge themselves to it. Okay, The kingdom of Judah is Judah and Benjamin. So that's why he's delineating there. Israel has already been split. There's two kingdoms. They had a civil war after Solomon. And there you go. A lot of history today. Uh, the, the people of Jerusalem did this in accordance to the covenant of God, the God of their ancestors. Josiah, this is really, really important. Underline this stuff. Josiah removed all the detestable idols from all the territory belonging to the Israelites. And he, and he had all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. As long as he lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their ancestors. And so he rips it out. And it goes on, on and on and on about how they, how they went over to this hill. And they tore down the Ashtrapal. And they went over here and they removed the Baals. And they went over here and they destroyed the Temple of Molech. And they went over here. And he's just tearing it down. He is removing this filth from their land. Now, what does that mean to me? What does that mean to you? I think this is important because when you start tearing down stuff, you've got to replace it with something. Right? When you start removing things from your life, something will fill that empty spot. And so what we've got in our own lives is we, if we're honest with ourselves, we have our own temples of Molech in our heart. We have our own astropoles in our heart. We have our own lust issues, our own lying issues, our own gossiping issues, our own codependence issues that are sin issues that we've been going to for years and years and years and years and years and years. And we may be thinking, you know what? I need to turn my life to Jesus, but I really like that sin. It's pretty and I get to do what I want. And what we have to have in, in the legacy of Josiah is a, is a legacy of a reclamation of tearing that down and saying, no, I'm going to remove that aspect that's been infiltrating my life for so long. I have to rip it out and throw it away. Now, this is not easy. And you're, you're, you, who you are revolts against that, right? Think of a, maybe a hobby that you like, but you know you, you just need to get rid of it. It wastes too much of your time, right? All the teenage boys in here say, don't say video games, don't say video games, don't say video games. Don't say Instagram, don't say Instagram, don't say Instagram. Right? I don't, whatever yours is, don't say Cubs games, don't say Cubs games, don't say Cubs games. Don't say Facebook, don't say Facebook, don't say Facebook. I'm going to stay in real light, right? Because we want to be like, well, I'm not a meth addict, so I'm okay. But we have stuff that has stolen our hearts. Not all of the sins in our life are like Molech, we're not you know, sacrificing babies, but some of them are like, oh, well, it's kind of okay. It still steals the joy. It keeps us from having our lives in line with God. So much so that we forget that we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and strength. That we start dividing our worship from other things. 
Josiah tears those places down. We have to reclaim our behavior. By reclaiming our behavior, we move from being controlled by our past to having victory in our future. By reclaiming our behavior, we move from being controlled by our past to having victory in our future. This is painful. This is hard. This is not the easy road. It's a lot easier to remove a behavior before it is a habit. Bowen all of a sudden developed a weird habit when he was hitting this week or last week. So guess what I got to spend all this week doing? Working on removing that bad habit from his hitting. And he's mad at me. We were looking at that. I finally, the boy, he thinks differently than me. I found like a physics lesson on why he needs to stop it. And he was like, oh, well, that makes sense. You're nine years old. You shouldn't know physics. Okay. <laughs> but whatever. So I, I found it on YouTube. It worked. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll do it that way. Um, so anyway, story of my life. Uh, but, but, but doing it now, I could have let it fester. He's been fine. He's not striking out. Okay. I could have let it fester and go on and go on and practice the bad habits and practice bad habits until it's ingrained. And then all of a sudden one day happens and he can't hit the ball worth a tar. Why? Because we did not remove the bad habit. Now, I'll keep it light and talk about baseball, but you've got the same stinking habits going on in your life. You've let, oh, I'm just going to gossip a little bit here. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to do this a little bit here. You know, drinking a little bit's not going to lead me down this path. I've been here before. And all of a sudden, other stuff starts happening. With me, it's food, carbs, right? I'm only going to have like one crate of potato chips. And then you're backing up the lace truck to your house. You don't have them on speed dial? Oh, my bad. Because um, right, you just have these, like, these, these gateway things that, that happen, whether it's food, whether it's uh, whatever habits that happen, they, they all kind of, kind of occur. But we have to work on reclaiming our hearts to say, no, that's not what my, that's not what my life needs. Because all that stuff just clouds who God is calling me to be. There's always demands on our time. There's always demands on our emotions. There's always demands on who we are. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, you don't graduate from that. I used to think, oh, if I just get through this time period, that will go away. If I just graduate high school, if I just graduate college, if I just get married, if I just have children, if I just do this, guess what, folks? There's just a new just at the end of that just. They might be different. Sometimes that's fun. But there's always challenges that you're going to be facing. And unless we get the root thing down and we par away the trash and get to it of loving God with all of who we are, we're always going to be diverted and inviting junk into our lives. We have to reclaim that behavior. The first step is removing the trash. Um, This is hard, right? The Haugs, Kayla and Cody, have had some special visitors in their home in the last about six weeks. I don't know if you've seen this on Facebook. They're very cute. They're black and white little creatures. They had a family, not just one skunk, but they had a whole family of skunks living under their porch. Now, uh, because my mom's been in the hospital, Lucy's been going to Kayla's to be watched. And all of a sudden, I get a text, don't come to the front door. And uh, you might not want to breathe when you come to our house. Right? So I have to go to the back door to get my child in the house because there's a family of skunks because they didn't want because Jared's a little loud sometimes and I might startle something. Um, I mean, my two-year-old. 
a two-year-old's loud sometimes. No. Uh, because, because there's this family of skunks living in their house. Now, you've got a couple of options. Now, no one wants to go remove the skunk, right? So, Sign me up. I want to get sprayed today. Like, no one wants to do that. No one wants to do the messy, maybe like, you know, you're going to be repugnant to everyone around you. It's like, don't want to, can't go out to eat. You know, I can't, don't want to go to my home. I don't want to be in my own car. Whatever, if you get sprayed, no one wants to do that. But there has to be someone to say, you know what? I'm going to take it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to remove the stank from my house. I'm going to remove this. Because what happened in this case? There was a, a, a mama who was burrowing underneath their house. And they tried some things to, to keep it away. It said, no, I'm going underneath that house. They, try, they tried the, the right things. And so what became was just one skunk that we can deal with all of a sudden became five skunks. Now, I don't know if you're not very good with math, but five skunks is lots worse than one skunk. And if they would have just let that happen, guess what? Five would have become more and then more and then more and then more and then more. So they finally call the guy, the exterminator, the exterminator tries to get him out. That doesn't even work. They like, there's like every time I go take uh, Lucy to their house. Now there's a cement bag over a hole. That mama was like, no, I am going under that porch. And she's digging new holes. The same example happens in your life as well. You've got skunks burrowing in your heart. And unless you take the drastic measures, if you're willing to Kill that and remove it. You can't just play nice and make, I'm going to trap the poor little skunk. No, let's kill that stupid thing. You guys, they're like, I'm, I'm calling PETA. <laughs> but we do that with the sin in our lives. Oh, but that person, they're, they're, they're generally a good person at heart. They are destroying your life with the gossip and the slander that they put into your, they got little things that goes in your brain and you become a worse person after you talk to them every single time. Stop doing it. You've got to cut some of these relationship ties and say, you know what? I'm not going to be that person anymore. You've got some stuff. Oh, it's just, just me and the boys. It's okay. You've got some stuff that it gets its fingers. And just, ah, start stealing your soul. And really? When you walk away from that, you stink. Reclaiming your behavior is difficult. It is not easy but it's worth it. Second thing you do is you reclaim joy and Josiah teaches us how to do this. This is awesome. I love, I love this part of it. So they've been, they've been living this way for about 400 years after Solomon. Some civil wars have happened. They've been attacked a bunch of times. All kinds of weird stuff have happened. But when they start going into the temple to remove the junk, to remove the astropoles and how they've polluted the temple... They start cleaning up, and they're moving some bags of money, actually. And they're like, huh. Hey, Bill. You know what this is? Uh, no. I think, I think it's the Bible. They find the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. The thing that the whole religion is based on. They're like, oh, this is really good. You should read this. Like, it's in there. This is the Jared Paraphrase version, but it's actually in there. And for, <laughs> like, I... Subheading, Hulkael discovers God's law. <laughs> and it's been years and years and years and years since anyone read it. And they start reading and they just start weeping. Like, oh my God, what have we been doing? What have we... Thank you, God, for not killing us. This happens. They start celebrating like, God, you, you should have just lightning bolted us. They've gotten so far away from God that they've forgotten the Passover. 
that they've forgotten the Passover. The Passover had been celebrated in like a couple hundred years. Now think about that. They've gotten so far away from who God is and what God is to them that they've forgotten the very thing of when he's, they, God, the symbol for all of eternity of God saying, you are my people and I save you and I set you free from slavery. We have gotten so caught up in our own sin issues and our own stuff and our own junk that we forget the same thing. That we forget that God is a God who sets us free from slavery. They've forgotten what it is. So one of the things that when, uh, and this is a beautiful leadership move from, from Josiah, is he, he sees this, he reads this, and he goes, oh my goodness, we've got to do this. And so as he's taken away astropoles, he's taken away their old religion, he's taken the way that which they've, they've done silly things, he institutes a party. Isn't that beautiful? All right, boys, let's party. He institutes the Passover again. And they have the Passover, all Passover. If you read uh, chapter 35, it talks about all the bulls that are sacrificed and the sheep and all this stuff. They just, and now that, it's a little bloody and gory, but what that's really supposed to symbolize is it's the biggest party the country has ever seen. And so he calls everybody together and they celebrate what God has done for them in the past and who they are as a people. And they start to reform who they are. When we remove stuff from our lives, we've got to replace it with something else, Right? And so Josiah knows this, and he says, we're going to take away the bad practices of their life and put in the good. And so I don't, we can't just remove relationships from our life, and I'm not going to talk to them anymore, right? Because we do that. We remove stuff from our lives all the time, but we don't fill it with anything good, and so we return back to it. Not because we really want to, but because we, we left an open, fertile space for something to take its place, and we just keep on going back. I can't tell you how many times I've pulled weeds out of my yard just for like the next, it, well, I got those dandelions, now we get thistles. I pull the thistles out and they hurt, and now I got clover, right? And I pull the clover out and then I get something else. Well, Jared, if you planted something else in its place that you like, maybe the weeds wouldn't grow there, right? In your yard, if you do the weed and feed stuff, there's a reason it's called weed and feed. You put the fertilizer in that after it kills the dandelions, so new grass grows so thick that new weeds can't grow there. There. Okay, do I need to spell that one out more for you? Okay, so if you have something in your life and you've removed the junk from your life, we have to put good stuff in there that chokes out the bad. Just as bad stuff will choke out the good. And this is what's... Um, I almost said Hezekiah. I don't know where it came up with that name. Josiah is doing for his people. He's giving them something to, to grab a hold of. And he said, hey, guys, let's party. I know when you think about parting with God, you're thinking about these orgies, and you're thinking about these sacrifices, and you're thinking about these weird things. Let's, we're going to give you the right kind of party to go to. That's what we're doing now. That you don't have to be a slave anymore. We don't have to be a slave to these habits. We don't have to be a slave to this, these mindsets. We don't have to be a slave anymore to these things. We can be new. We can be free because our God has set us free. And finally, he reclaims movement. This is the hardest part, right? Moving on from old behaviors. Proverbs twenty six eleven says, As a dog returns to its vomit, a fool returns to his folly. Now that's gross, but it's true. 
As a dog returns to its vomit, a fool returns to his folly. We go back to it because we haven't replaced it with healthy things. We have to remove the old stuff, apply new behaviors, and stay with them. This is difficult. We probably all know someone who is an addict. Alcohol, drugs, or gambling. And we get frustrated. Why do they keep on going back to that? Why? Why would you do that? But if we're honest with ourselves, we do the same thing with our own little addiction. Now, we are better at covering it up. Or society hasn't said it's a terrible thing. Or we figured out how to clear our, our, our browser history faster than mom could see it. But as a dog returns to its vomit, a fool returns to his folly. We have to build up different habits to remove that junk from our lives. Josiah not only removes the idols and the terrible practices, he gives them a new way to worship, a new way back to God. He reboots the whole entire system. The prophet Jeremiah alluded to earlier, he's living at this time and he's going back and forth from Israel to to Judah and saying, guys, you've got to get your stuff together or the bad things are going to happen. And if you read the prophet Jeremiah, it's all, don't want to do that. Don't Don't do that. Don't do that. That's, there, I cliff noted Jeremiah for you. Don't do that is uh, what it is. And he says, but he gives them hope as well. And Jeremiah, he says, for I forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Because there's this huge weight of guilt on these people's lives. We've been so terrible. How could we ever have a hope of a future? And Jeremiah is reassuring them, look, God loves you. He will remove your sins and he'll forget them. And he just, as far as the east is from the west, for you this morning, Maybe we've tried and we've tried and we've tried to remove the sin in our life, the habits in our life, the stuff in our life, and then we keep on thinking about, man, I'm a terrible person. You're beating yourself up for stuff you did when you're 12 years old and you're 72. God, God's forgiven you. It's time to forgive yourself. Okay? Kids taught me this. I feel so bad for some of the stuff I've said to Bowen. Oh, Bowen, what are you doing that for? You just snap at him. I'll go into his bed and apologize. He says, what are you talking about, Dad? Kid, don't you remember? Is he showing me the love of God right there? Like, it's all right, Dad. For I'll forgive their wickedness and I'll remember their sins no more. This is something we get to practice as well. See, the process is not only to identify the idols, but it's to replace the idols with good things. And then thirdly, it's to move on from that. Where are you at in that process? The things you need to remove, there's things you need to burn away, there's things you need to throw away, there's things that you need to separate yourself from, people, places, ideas. If you just leave the space you cleaned out, junk will fill it up. There's a reason we have to clean out our garage every six months, right? Why your, car, your trunk of your car collects all kinds of fun stuff. You have to remove it. This week, my AC didn't kick on when I wanted to turn on my AC. Yay. We've been trying to lifeline this AC. It's 17 years old. I think it paid its dues, okay? But we've been trying to lifeline this AC unit for, for years now. Keep on, you're great. The EPA is going to call my house because we keep on putting Freon in it and we keep on, you know, lubricating things. We keep on putting new 
you know, gizmos and flux capacitors and I don't know what they're selling me, but we keep on doing it. We keep on doing it. We're paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars just to try to limp along this air conditioner. And this week, all of a sudden I was on my lawnmower and I could hear the noise, the air conditioner is happening. Now, I don't know about you, but if you can hear the air conditioner making a noise over a lawnmower making its noise, you probably got a problem. Okay, I'm not good with this stuff, but Travis, Travis is a professional. He's probably like, yeah, Jared, you got a problem there. Um, so they come out, they tell me the flux capacitor is broken, and I give them another $200. And then it breaks two days later, and they tell me, you know, your, your gizmo's broken. And I say, well, wait a second here. It's like, what's well, 17 years old? What do you expect? I was like, well, how much is it to, for a new motor? And he's like, it's $700. Carry the one plus the... How much is it for a new one? <laughs> right? And so there's, there's a process to be thought through here. And so now we get to get a new air conditioner. Yay! Right? That's what everybody wants to spend their money on. But it is what it is. It's, it's, it's something that has to happen in my life if I want to keep my wife happy. So this will happen. <laughs> for... For you guys, the same thing. We're going to make it a little lighter with the AC unit because it's been hitting you pretty hard. But here's the deal. There's the choices that you have to make in your own life. You can baby a sin along. Oh, I'm just going to you know, remove a little bit. I'm just not going to go out this time. I'm just going to you know, put a new little blocker on my, uh, my internet browser. Oh, I'm not going to do that as much anymore. And you just baby that along. And the root problem is this is going to continue to come up. It's going to continue to come up. You can do a bigger overhaul thing. But unless you actually remove the problem, replace it with a brand new structure of thinking, you're always going to fall back into that same habit. I could replace the motor, and guess what? That guy's going to come out next spring and say, well, I've got to put another two pounds of Freon in it, and I've got to do this, and i probably got to replace this thing. It's rusted out. It's broken. It's adding no value to my life. But I want to keep it. So much of our sin issues in our lives are, but, but it's, just, it's going to be painful to replace that. Yeah but it's sucking you dry. It's taking your money. It's making you uncomfortable and making your wife miserable. Get rid of it. Just as the Israelites needed to be reminded of who they were and and of the Passover, this morning, Jesus comes at the Passover. He comes at this time to say, you know what, I'm going to exemplify the Passover to be the sacrifice, not only just for the Jewish people, but for all people for all times. And so when Jesus does this, he blows open the gates of heaven to say, you know, it's not just for Jewish people, it's for all people for all time. But it's the same message that the Israelites needed to get. You don't have to be a slave anymore. My sacrifice pays for your sins forever. And so this morning, as we think about the changes we need to make in our lives, I want you to ponder this thought. As we pray, think about that. This morning, is this a time in which you need to say, thank you, Jesus. I've forgotten about your sacrifice. I've forgotten about who you are. I've forgotten about how you want to set me free. There's all kinds of habits we can fill that void with, with scripture reading and mentoring and life groups and, and being involved in church and just good life-honoring uh, friendships. But there's, there's all those kinds of things that the church can help you with. But really, it comes down to this idea of coming in contact with Jesus and saying, Jesus, it's time. I need to give all these things to you so that I am forgiven. I am redeemed. And I am made new. I want to participate in your Passover.
Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. And I thank you for each and every single person in this room. I thank you for who they are and, and how you're convicting us to be better. So God, if right now I ask you to, to, to show us these sin points, these places where we need to remove them from our lives. We need to give them over to you. Yeah, it might be uncomfortable. It might spark some awkward conversations. It might mean the ending of some, some certain relationships in our life. It might mean the ending of some habits in our life that we think are really pretty important to us. But God, would you give us the strength and the perseverance to remove them from our life? Would you fill those voids with your love and with your nourishment, with your compassion, with your forgiveness, that we can come from this place healthier? that we can move from this place and remember who you are and who Jesus is in our life. That he would stop at nothing to reclaim us, stop at nothing to redeem us, stop at nothing to love us well. In Jesus' holy name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, serve our community for Christ. You can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.